Your Honor, the evidence is going to show that the real boys have analyzed some of cinema's worst crooks. The Xenomorph, Thanos, and even Kevin McAllister. However, these boys don't like to talk about heroes. These boys seem to care nothing for the law, and they seem to find criminal activity funny. Mr. Dupree? Your Honor, this podcast chooses to focus on the most interesting aspects of films, and oftentimes that's pretty villainous behavior. Objection. Are you saying that there isn't a movie with a hero who's played by an actor who's usually a bad guy? There's no movie about crime where the lead character is the most interesting character? Is that what you're saying? Yes, so. Wait a minute. I think I know someone. Who? My cousin! Are you sure about that five minutes? Welcome to Is It Really? The podcast that challenges popular opinions about movies. I'm Judge Sharp. I'm the defendant, Zach. And I'm Mitchell, the attorney. And tonight we're on trial with my cousin, Vinny. And asking, is Vinny Bag of Donuts the greatest movie lawyer? Mitch, why don't you give us the synopsis for My Cousin Vinny? Gladly. Two Brooklyn boys find themselves on trial in the Deep South after a serious misunderstanding. They can't afford a lawyer, but luckily they have an attorney in the family. He's... My Cousin Vinny! Can this wise-cracking, fast-talking New Yorker prove his family's innocence to a bunch of good old boys? Only time will tell. (laughs) Stay tuned. So most court movies like A Few Good Men and To Kill a Mockingbird tend to be very serious. In fact, the official title for this genre tends to be courtroom drama. Why aren't there more quality court comedies? And can we name any others? So I think the main reason you're not going to see many courtroom comedies is because courtroom dramas tend to be pretty heavy. Yeah. You know, devoid of any lighthearted material. And if done poorly, a courtroom drama can be downright boring. So I feel like you really run the risk of... You know, just coming across as like a joke if you're not able to do it well. I'm kind of with you. Most of the time, people are on trial for things that just inherently aren't funny, like you were saying. It's like murder or worse. Mm. And it's it's interesting, though, because I really couldn't think of any court movies that were funny. But the kind of too cool for school lawyer, I feel, is a pretty common character. But right, yeah. thinking about it, I was really struggling to think of where I've seen those those guys. What do you mean by the too cool for school lawyer? Like the lawyer who like walks in with like the big fancy suit and they're like kind of smooth talking everybody. And like, I think it's more like a caricature that you see on like television shows and things like that. Like, mm-hmm. you know, the guy with the big expensive sports car and this. But I really was struggling to think of who is the epitome of that. Like what character is the full representation of of that. The best examples are on television, I feel like. That's where my mind went. I want to, though, throw the movie Trial and Error in the ring for a fantastic courtroom comedy. I have no idea what that is. Yeah, you, two... Is that fringy? 
Two deep cuts? Goodness gracious. Yeah. I cannot be way out, <laughs> way out here. Usually I am the the Johnny Methodist choice, you know? Yeah, well. Sure. I'm not the one I'm not the one with the fringy the fringy choices. Y'all are forgetting like the obvious picks, like liar liar. Oh, you know, like that's yeah. a big, you know, courtroom <sighs> comedy. Like what about is that, that? What, is that what that is? Is it a courtroom comedy? Because well, yeah, I feel like there has a, to be like yeah. a percentage of time spent in the courtroom. More time is spent in the courtroom, I think, on Liar Liar than is in My Cousin Vinny. Okay, well. And is that movie good? No, but that isn't the question. Which I think I think you get a lot of, like I was looking at like court comedies, and I mean, I haven't seen a lot of, a lot of them, but just by reputation, like there were just some bad movies that were popping up. Like that Vin Diesel movie that he did that was supposed to be funny, Find Me Guilty or whatever. And and like a lot of just like B movies and stuff like that. Like the the thing is quality court comedies, like movies that are actually good. Whereas my cousin Vinny, like they show this movie in law school. So I really was struggling to find anything that was on par from a comedic lens. Yeah, I thought it was interesting. This is by far the most accurate movie that takes place in a courtroom is what right. like lawyers and judges say. They teach yeah. this. And I think that's crazy because it's Joe Pesci being Joe Pesci. That is the rationale for showing it in law school is the accuracy of the courtroom scenes. Yeah. yeah. And the writer, I guess, what used to be a, a lawyer, not a litigator, but he was a lawyer and mm-hmm. he wanted to make this as accurate as possible. Wow. Yeah. Back. I've watched a fair amount of courtroom television. Oh, and to me, know. it seemed a, to, to me, it seemed a little a little sloppy. I don't know. <laughs> Like I get that that's whole like that's Joe Pesci's thing, Ooh. and I I promise I'm not trying to take it too seriously or make it more important, you know. But it just seemed a little something, you know, like a little sloppy. No, I agree. Like I know originally the character was actually written to be dyslexic, and then they took that element out of the movie, and I thought that would have made hmm. some of Pesci's decisions make more sense to me. Without that element, it feels like he just comes across as either like criminally negligent and lazy or just idiotic in some places. I'm like, you know, two people are going to die and you're showing up to court in your black leather jacket. Like, what are you doing, Joe? Like, get it together. This was my first R-rated movie and I saw this when I was a kid and I was just like, oh, I want to be a lawyer. So it it definitely (laughs) makes, I can't tell if it makes being a lawyer look cool or if it makes being Joe Pesci look cool. But that's, that's what I think about every movie I like though. Like after I saw Rocky, I was like, I could be a boxer. Yeah. (laughs) This is how a good movie makes me feel. I think with me, my cousin Vinny, I was like, oh, he says in the movie, the judge was from Brooklyn. I was from Brooklyn. So for me, I was like, oh, this fictional character is from Brooklyn. So am I. I could be a lawyer. And then I just realized, like, I don't want to be a lawyer. (laughs) Joe Pesci was the representation that Zach needed as a child. (laughs) Get out there and believe in himself. (laughs) Maybe I could handle the preliminary a little better, okay? I admit it. Well, what's most important is winning the case. I could do it. I really could. Let me tell you how, okay? The DA's got to build a case. Building a case is like building a house. Each piece of evidence is just another building block. He wants to make a brick bunker of a building. He wants to use serious, solid-looking bricks like like these, right? He's going to show you the bricks. He'll show you they got straight sides. He'll show you how they got the right shape. 
He showed them to you in a very special way so that they appear to have everything a brick should have. But there's one thing he's not going to show you. When you look at the bricks at the right angle, they're as thin as this playing card. We see this scene before we see any actual lawyering from Vinny. Does this scene set the audience at ease at all? I think it does, because prior to this, Vinny has just been like a bumbling fish out of water. And once I see him pull off that magic trick, I'm a little more like, oh, OK. And it's it's not so much that scene, but it's the follow up when Dan is just like he thinks you should give him another chance. And he tells that story about his cousin Ruthie's wedding when Vinny keeps calling out the magician. That makes me go, OK, well, that lines up with his character like. If Bill trusts him, then I, I trust him, too. I'm going to say no. You know what I don't want to hear my lawyer say to me ever? <laughs> hey, come on, I can do it. I promise, <laughs> come on, give me a shot. Come on. Uh, uh, a good lawyer doesn't have to plead like that to convince you of their competency. So, yeah, I don't I don't know. The I think it's a great scene, but the fact that the Karate Kid stays with them after it, I don't, I don't know. It's not a decision I would make in real life. Great, cool card trick, but you're not a lawyer. I think I lean a little towards... Mitch's take on this. Uh, I think the scene makes me smile. I think it's clever. Hold on. I think it's clever. <laughs> but if I were on trial for my life, I don't want a lawyer that walks around with a deck of playing cards in his pocket. Oh, really? <laughs> I do. What's, That's exactly why, why would that be? Why would that be an asset? No one's going to dupe them. No one's duping them. <laughs> No one's tricking them. They're ready for anything. Why? And why does the discussion where they talk about in this jail cell? Oh, he would always point out the flaws and magic tricks. I'm like, oh, so he was just a jerk. He's not a good person. Well, I think I think what they're saying is that Vinny has a good nose for just crap. I think what they're saying is Vinny ruined kids birthdays parties. <laughs> it was his cousin Ruthie's <laughs> wedding. Which, if you've ever been to someone's birthday in New York and a magician has shown up, that's all anyone does is they just call the guy out. I think it's it's not so much him. It's him saying, you know, you know me. And he says, maybe I could have handled the procedures a little bit better. But what he's he's saying is use me. And they also cut out when he says, if after this you think I'm not the right guy and that, you know, the because the, they have the other the other um, public defender who's ready to team up with them. And he says, if you don't think I'm the best guy for the job, I'll leave quietly. I'm with oh. I'm with Mitch on the, the preliminary hearing. Also, <laughs> it, he doesn't just come across as like inexperienced. He comes he comes across as criminally negligent. Like yes, he, does. He, he actually like you actually have to try to be that bad. Hey, but, Stan, but hold you're on Ala frickin Bama. Hold You're on. from New York. You <laughs> killed a good old boy. There is no way this isn't going to trial. Uh, if you tried at all, maybe it wouldn't have gotten it would have gotten dismissed. Vinny. I think what I can take away, though, from that next scene and like it made me smile that the, the car trick was clever. But actually, what sold me was his explanation to his friend. So, so I'm thinking, OK, Vinny has some type of gift. He has a gift and it may not be courtroom procedure or just straight up and down litigation, but he does have some 
gift that cannot be qualified. It is something that it's like an X factor. You know, he does have something that is going to be valuable in the courtroom. Right. Yeah. But this is a trial for his life, Brandon. Like if someone had to go, oh, I'm with you there. Into I'm a absolutely battle with you royale there. tomorrow. And I was like, well, my cousin, he, he watched a lot of Kung yeah. Fu movies. Like that doesn't make any sense. Just because he, he's good at something personally as a <laughs> hobby doesn't mean professionally. He could just jump in. When he says, I could do it, that actually was what terrified me the most. Yeah, that is not reassuring at all. He's trying to convince himself right then also. Here, here's the thing that, we, that we're that we forgetting is that these guys don't have options. They don't have money. They've got nothing else. Like, Vinny is their only hope. So I think that it's this, this scene is supposed to set the audience at ease because we know that these guys are backed into a corner. And... Actually, I think the scene that really kind of got me thinking, okay, is the scene with JT, the guy who wants to fight him later when he just goes, uh, yeah, yeah, I got you $200. We're going to fight. And Vinny just goes, how do I know that that's not a 20 with a bunch of ones inside of it? And he goes, fan it out. Show it to me where you see that he's able to kind of break things down. It's like slow reveals i agree zach i like that i like that scene too it yeah. does multiple things like the argument in the bar is funny but it also right. sets up that he's a good argue you know he's a good arguer right uh, so i'm with you there that's his gift you know right. observation and he's able to kind of see through the bs you know right. that, that's what he's good at yeah but to take that to the like it's just that they have to take it to the furthest extreme of the stakes right like my life sure. is on the line that mm. it, it wouldn't put me at ease. And also, the only reason this works is because the public defender actually can't form a sentence in, <laughs> now, in court. Mr. Tipton. I heard a rumor that the actor said he got typecast as a stutterer after this movie. And I thought, how many movies are looking for stutterers? I don't I don't think that's a real thing. But all right. And I will say, like. I, I like that in the scene where we actually see Vinny do good lawyering, it's not him getting up and doing like some big, ah, the smoking gun. I like that it's just something as little as calling the guy on. It takes 20 minutes to cook grits, not five. And that's the thing he's going to fight with him about. And that's the thing he's going to argue with him about. And we're like, oh, yeah, he notices the little things, which is why maybe they have a shot. Yeah, and I think that's more true to what actual trial law looks like. It's right. discrediting a witness by just pressing on their testimony a little bit. Yeah. Right. So I, I do enjoy that. I also feel like the thing uh, I'll agree with you on this, Zach, about the card trick scene is it feels like Vinny understands the stuff they don't teach you in law school. And, you know, innately, he gets, you know, what it takes to convince people of things. He just doesn't understand, you know, any of the procedures. Right. And, and I will say that that scene prior to the five minutes did make me really scared the first time I saw the movie because he walks in in that ridiculous suit. He falls asleep, gives that horrible opening statement to the, the jury. So you're just set up to think, oh, boy, like these guys are really toast. <laughs> Please answer the question. Does the defense's case hold water? No. The defense is wrong. Are you sure? 
I'm positive. How could you be so sure? Because there is no way that these tire marks were made by a 64 Buick Skylark. These marks were made by a 1963 Pontiac Tempest. Objection, Your Honor. Can we clarify to the court whether the witness is stating opinion or fact? This is your opinion? It's a fact. Amazing. Can I just point out real quick that Herman Munster as the judge? <laughs> yes. Brilliant. Brilliant. Yes. <laughs> I didn't opinion. realize that until this time. <laughs> that was... Yeah, that's oh my also his uh, last film, I believe. It is his last film. Yeah, mm-hmm. I love the moments they have him next to Joe Pesci too, and you see the size difference. <laughs> yeah, fantastic. <laughs> the thing about Marissa Tomei in this movie is, I feel like this role could have easily been a stereotypical sassy sidekick, the girlfriend in uh, White Men Can't Jump kind of character that's just like there to have a New York accent and talk like this. And But she really does give it this depth, this humor. She is the one who is driving all of the good things in Joe Pesci's life. Right. Without Mona Lisa, right? That's her name. <laughs> Mona yes. Lisa Vito. Yes, mm. <laughs> you you have yes. no uh, victory. You have no case. Right. You have no movie. She's right. the missing link. Right. I love just her character's development. I love at the beginning she says, "Can I help?" And he goes, "No." Or he says, "You know, yeah, keep bailing me out of jail." But then she just takes it upon <laughs> herself to read the Alabama state laws, and then tells mm-hmm. him later about like disclosure and yeah. stuff like that. Like I just love it that instead of her waiting on the sideline, she takes what incentive she can. Mm-hmm. She's always one step ahead. Right. She she is the brains of this operation. To be right. To be and sure. I also wonder like if they had gotten those pictures earlier and he had like actually shown them to her, how much faster this whole thing would have gone because it's as simple as she just goes oh that's not their car i wonder if the case would have been thrown out before it went to trial if marissa tomei was the lawyer <laughs> right right my cousin mona lisa mm. <laughs> i would have loved that movie yeah for I, real. Mm. she is maybe my favorite part of this movie i'm gonna she, be honest she's I like definitely her mine. She, she and pesci together are i i love it <laughs> they're just magic so i i don't feel like Joe Pesci. I love Joe Pesci. I don't feel like he is the star. He's not the star of this movie. I feel like they are. I think she is. I I agree. You know, Joe Pesci is great in plenty of roles. Goodfellas. He's great in Home Alone. This is just Joe Pesci. You know, he showed up and he's he's reading his lines. I think, though, he does a good thing. And he really lets Marissa shine in this movie. And in that scene when, you know, she got the pictures developed and she's excited about it and he kind of mocks her and she ends up leaving. I'm like, what are you doing? You go get her right now. She is the best thing in your life. You know, like get (laughs) out there. Can we acknowledge for a moment how ludicrous it is that Marissa Tomei and Joe Pesci are in a relationship in this movie. <laughs> Joe Pesci is like 40 years older than her. He looks like a hobgoblin uh, and she's brilliant. Oh. So it just makes no right. sense. Oh, I, another thing is that she stays Joe. with the whole uh, Jerry Callow situation and she just yeah. calls the judge and is like, hey, help me cover for Vincent with this. That's one of the few subplots I don't like. Yeah, I feel like no. that subplot goes nowhere. I didn't yeah. need it, but yeah. 
Yeah. I feel like the movie should honestly be called like my creepy uncle Vinny because he is okay. so much older <laughs> than everyone else in the movie. I, I think the reason why they work so well together is because more so than like Bill and Stan, I think Marissa and Joe are speaking the same language, which is why they can play off each other so well. Especially just the two of them just in sync with each other, especially being in Alabama. I think that that's kind of why they they stick out as the best part of this movie. So, like, my first thought when they get out of the car was, why is she with him? And I was thinking, okay, maybe he's like this super slick, really smart, confident, yeah, accomplished. Like, but because that makes sense. You see that all the time. Yeah. If he were successful. And then we see quickly. He's a so anyway, quickly, he's a little bit of a bozo, like in a in a like a street smart mobster kind of way. And that's what it is. That's why they're together, because he says, I worked in your father's garage. So it's probably he worked in the garage and he was able to be a charmer and a smooth talker and somehow was just like, hey, I'm going to be a lawyer. And she's like, oh, that, that seems nice and good. So I think it's just more he was able to talk his way into that right place at the right time. He was around. He was convenient. Yeah. What a bleak origin story for this. I don't, I'm just I don't saying, care. I think that that's I've I've met guys like I've seen that couple before. And a lot of times it's he was he was there. He wore her I down just feel like he mistreats her, too. Sure. Like sure. there's a he literally says you're supposed to stand by your man. I'm like, uh, is that what you want? Oh, the way you handled that judge. You're a smooth talker. You are <laughs> like, I don't know if you're doing a bit because you're in the South quoting a country song, but no, thank you. Don't care for that at all. I also think he absolutely knows how lucky he is and he knows that she's the smart one. Yeah, yeah, that's that's true. That's true. I think when so like he he makes her really mad and, you know, she runs off and then he needs her. And I'm like, no, screw him. You know, he <laughs> he didn't yeah. he doesn't respect you. He didn't right. need you before. But I think if the roles were I just thought it, I thought it was like a really great it ended up being a really great scene. Like she comes in and helps him, even though it probably would have been more gratifying to stick it to him a little bit, you know? So I didn't, I did enjoy that final scene in the courtroom. I want to hit on a scene that feels controversial to me with Marissa, Marissa Tomei. And that is the, my biological clock is ticking like, like this. this. And she stomps her foot dramatically. She's wonderful in that right. scene. And Joe right. is too, actually, I think, him, great. Uh, yeah. His response where he says, pile one more thing on me is yeah. the most human moment he gives in the movie. But mm -hmm. I do feel like that scene comes out of left field a little bit where sure. we haven't heard anything about her supposed demands on when they're getting married. And then all of a sudden it's <laughs> oh, when do we get married. And I just I didn't need it and I didn't care for it. And I think what bothers me about it is I know originally this character was going to be cut out of the movie. Mm. And that specific scene was added by the studio. They said, yeah. if she's going to be in the movie, I want her to be more of a nag. So they uh, added that scene. Yeah. Mm. I, and again, I think they both give great performances in that, which I feel like the director was probably like, hey, guys, this is kind of a, you got to give game day performances here because this scene's a little rough. And I think that they do the best that they can in a way that I think if it weren't in the middle of a murder trial, 
I would kind of buy because again, I've I've heard that conversation of like my little sister, my cousins, like that. Like I've heard people talk like that, but it's just it's not the time. And yeah, she it just knows needs that. to be set up somewhat. At right, all, right. You know? No, I, I agree. I agree. And that's why I'm so impressed by her in this movie, because I feel like she takes limited screen time and a really limited script and she makes a lot with it. Does this movie poorly characterize New Yorkers and Southerners? New Yorkers, not at all. The first time I was watching, I was like, is this fair to Southerners? But I remember when I moved to Ohio and I was just like, what are these people saying? So I assume going from Brooklyn to like the deep south, it's probably not that extreme. But watching it at home, I think it needs to feel that extreme. Otherwise, you won't believe it. I think this movie, like many other movies, treats Southerners like a big freaking joke. Uh, And I'm I'm from Ohio. I'm not from the South at all. But I just think we're very okay with making fun of people from the South. And like that scene where the guy rattles off the stereotypes. He's like, oh, they're all members of the clan here and they sleep with their cousins. I I feel like that is treated as a joke, but it's saved by the slow pan up to all the officers in the room. Yeah, we can hear you. So that makes it a little bit better. But (laughs) some of them do. <laughs> uh, I just I don't know. I I do get a little turned off by it's not political correctness because honestly, a lot of liberals I know are still like cool making jokes about dumb people from the south, but Right. Uh, I just think it's it's an easy target. It's a low punch and uh, and we can do better. Aside from the large scene Oh, uh, never mind. <laughs> I, I was I was gonna say I feel like no, it doesn't say portray it. when he slaps a comical amount of lard on a yeah. Skillet. Well, I was gonna say aside from that scene, I think it's hard for me to say that it's unfair to Southerners when you know you've got this judge who went to Yale and you have yeah. the other guy who the most Southern thing about him is his accent, uh, Coach Riley. So mm. you know, I think that it does take a few liberties. But I also think that at its core, it's pretty reasonable. Sure like to get a look at your files. <laughs> you would. Sure. You got Xerox machine over there? Uh, no. Oh, that's okay. I'll have a secretary do it. Shirley? Can you Xerox all the files on the Gambini, Rothenstein case from Mr. Gambini? Yeah. Thanks, sweetheart. What's all that? Trotter's files, all of them. You stole his files? I didn't steal his files. Listen to this. I'm just ready to finesse him. I'm starting to finesse him, right? I got him going. He offers to have his secretary copy everything for me. I, I love to later he describes that as he was schmoozing the guy. Sure like to take a look at your files. Right. Oh, Coach Riley. There's no real villain in this movie, and that's rare for a film that takes place in court. Why does that arrangement work here? So I think first of all, the movie is doing a little bit of a head fake towards the DA as the villain. You know, yes. I think he's kind of Like, we need a villain here, so he's going to act. He's going to stand in for the villain at some point. But I think you're right. He doesn't end up being a bad guy. 
You know, he was doing his he was doing his job. He congratulates Vinny at the end. And he says it with a smile on his face, too. Not like, oh, I lose. Well, I think that this movie gets the heart of the courtroom better than a lot of other legal movies, because it's just like they're all there for justice. Yeah. Right. It's not they're personal. All there to see. Yeah, it's I'm just doing a job because I think this the case is such a slam dunk. I feel like the only thing standing in between these boys and their freedom is an attorney with not that much experience. So, so well, I feel like in, Vinny in many is the antagonist. That's what I'm saying. He he plays the role to me as the protagonist and the antagonist. He is battling himself in many ways in a lot of these scenes, and he could ultimately be the reason these kids get the death penalty in in Alabama. Right. But you know what I'm saying? Well, like because of his ineptness. I think the yeah. real villain of this movie is the situation because. And we as the audience were so frustrated by the circumstance because, you know, these boys are innocent. You know that, you know, Vinny could possibly be a good lawyer, but also the evidence against them is so strong. Two cars that look exactly the same. The two like body types that look exactly the same. They were in within the store within 20 minutes of each other. You understand which. Like, you can understand why people think that they're guilty and no one's a monster about it. There's no scene where, like, the sheriff, like, punches them in the face. He's like, tell me the truth. You see it like, oh, this is like a one in a million coincidence. Like, the evidence against these guys is way too strong to be denied almost. It reminds See, me of I think the different the, kinds of uh, conflict you learn about in school, like man versus nature, uh, uh, Vinny versus Vinny. <laughs> it's going to be <laughs> what they start teaching for man versus internal. Yeah, I don't know that the evidence is strong. I think the coincidence, I think it's I think it's super coincidental. I mean, two um, metallic green com- convertibles, two people matching the same like height and description they confess to the crime several times without knowing what they were being charged for. You know, like a lot of these things were happening. Hold on. Let him tell you why he's got you here and maybe make sure old girl across the street has the correct prescription for glasses. <laughs> the house of cards gets knocked down so easily by Vinny. That's not evidence. That's just a lot of coincidence. And no one was really following up on anything, you know, and it was just right. right. I feel like the <laughs> saying antagonist feels wrong. That's not the right terminology. I feel like the the force that they're working against in the movie, not to get too jargony, but it's like the banality of procedure, right? It's the yeah. reality of limited time, limited money, impatient judges, hostile experts, you know, bad clothes, bad questions, you know, right. you know, lines of questioning that don't go anywhere. Uh, it's it's just life. And I think that's why the heart of this movie just feels so true to me, because it's oh, sometimes people just aren't great at their jobs. Life is messy. Sometimes we make mistakes. Right. Or they're all trying to get the, the right thing done. The sheriff is another one that you feel like is going to be the the villain at some point you know i think it's kind of like rambo like the the town is almost the villain you know everyone in the town and i was like oh the two big city boys are about to get small towned by the sheriff and the da and the judge and you know it's it's the old boys club and they're the yankees and it just it felt like they were going to get chewed up in this like small town machine right but even again Mm. like the prison guard is super nice to them that's death row over there (laughs) 
<laughs> like not like, but just like, hey, over there is it. like our state jail was condemned this morning. That's why we're bringing y'all here to the state corrections facility. <laughs> yeah, which again, which is why I really feel like it's just Vinny's inexperience. Like I love right. the line where he says, Marissa Thomas says, don't they teach you that in law school? And his no. response is just no, they teach you contracts. Uh, <laughs> which I think is great because the implication is law school doesn't teach you how to practice law. They just teach you the right. theory of law. For me, six times was a job. And that was the idea behind the movie originally, too. The screenwriter heard a story about some guy who had to take the bar 13 times. And he thought, right. what if that were your lawyer? Right. Um, right. And I think that's great. <laughs> When I think about great movie lawyers, a few names come to mind. Atticus Finch, Joe Miller, and even the Lincoln Lawyer. These lawyers inspire us through their skills and knowledge of the law. Vinny is borderline incompetent. While he's funny and quick on his feet, his ignorance of the law almost cost the lives of two innocent young men. Does that sound like a good lawyer to you? While My Cousin Vinny is a great movie, he is not a good lawyer. Vincent LaGuardia Gambini has been called out for using not much more than his wits to win his trial. Sure, he may be quite ignorant when it comes to procedure in the courtroom, and he may be a risky bet for a defendant. But when Vinny gets going, he is unstoppable. He engages in confrontation, he sees the big picture, and he always has a move in his back pocket. He's quick on his feet and always ready to squash a lie. Isn't that what you want from a lawyer? The jury doesn't even get to deliberate on the case. The plaintiff throws it out because of Vinny's ability to find evidence. If this was only his first case, I can't imagine what case he'll be handling next. And that's why my cousin Vinny is the greatest movie lawyer. All right, clip one. Here we go. I have the clip ready. Yeah. Little YouTube.com. Ooh. Oh, shoot. Oh, crackle, crackle. Here we go. I just oh, turned my phone off airplane mode. Here we go. Hurry up. I have the clip ready. That's what you said. I have the clip ready. The pinnacle of technology right here. <laughs> the clip is ready. <laughs> Guys, don't worry. I got the clip this time. <laughs> oh. Okay. I got it handled. My wife is being a butt cheek. <laughs> Should we just jump in? Here it is. We will collect damages. We will win. Because we are very, very good. You know why we're so good? Because we have amazing fans. You gave that to us. And you're going to give it to our social media platforms. Now, some of you may think that you don't have to follow the Is It Really podcast on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Let me tell you. You are dead wrong. These are remarkable places to talk movies with us. You give us our full shot by subscribing on iTunes, Stitcher, or Spotify, 
And I promise you, we will succeed, not only on the ice, but on this podcast as well. You people are friends of the real boys, and I know that you'll give us that five-star rating and review. Accordingly, I demand that you check back next week when we're talking The Departed. For our benefit, and for your own. (laughs) Huge thanks to the writer of The Mighty Ducks 3 for inspiring that bit. We love you all so much, and we'll see you next time.